Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. We got the cup. Black and yellow, black and yellow. You want to talk about a team? This is a team. You guys wanted it. We got it. Let's have some fun. Cue the memories presented by Bud Light. What's up, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light as we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the 2011 Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins. I am Eric Russo alongside Andrew Ferentz. Andy, another episode. We're getting rolling here. Eric Russo, and we're, we've moved up in the world. We have real microphones, so this episode is going to sound really good because of that and even extra good because we have a pretty, uh, pretty amazing guy coming up here. Absolutely, yes. Uh, You sound like the voice of God, which is good. And uh, yes, we'll have another voice of God coming in as we welcome in a crucial veteran piece of the 2011 Stanley Cup champs, a mid-season acquisition who became a staple of the Bruins' third line that season, Mr. Chris Kelly. So, Fair, what can you tell us about Chris before we get started here? So, Kells came in, and uh, I didn't really know much about him. All all I knew really about Kells was that we beat them every time we played against them. He was up, uh, you know, (laughs) unfortunately with a a team that didn't do so well against us, right? But anyway, so we trade for Kells, and he comes in, and I don't know if anybody else watched this. We're recording this a couple days after Nesson put out that Contenders to Champions piece, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Like, I, I just ate it up. I was watching it, and <laughs> just, like, reliving old times. And there was a part in there where, uh, you know, Kells said, man, these guys practice so hard. But, like, Kells is one of those guys that, like, he's the one that practiced hard. Like, he drove he, – he was a driver, right? And he was the guy that, like – would ramp it up and be super competitive and then like be totally cool with it after. And th- that was like why Kells fit in so good with our group is because it was like an understanding of, right? Like we're on the ice, we're pushing each other. We all like are here for the same reasons. And then afterwards, like there's like no hard feelings, nothing like that about just going like be ultra competitive. So it actually kind of surprised me when I saw him like say like, Oh my God, I couldn't believe how hard these guys practice because man, this guy came in, fit right in. He was a perfect um, you know, perfect acquisition for, for us to, um, to, to make a, a long, long, uh, you know, run in the playoffs, super reliable, like the kind of guy that goes out there and penalty kills and, you know, you're not worried about anything, takes a face off. You're not worried about anything. He's just like Mr. Reliable. And, uh, so I know that's not the most exciting story like that, but he's just a solid <laughs> dude. And, and I don't know, I don't really have anything like to, to say that make fun of him or anything like that, or like, haha, because like, he would come back and like carve me. 10 mm-hmm. times as deep because he's got a sharp wit. He's got a dry humor. He keeps everybody in line. And if you try to like BS him or something like that, he'll be the first one to call you out on it. So, uh, he, he, he keep, he keeps guys honest, you know, on, on and off the ice. All right. Yeah. Wise choice to, to keep the chirping to a minimum here. Uh, I've gotten the chance to work with Chris a little bit here. Uh, now that he's back with the Bruins in a player development role, but what I remember most about Christer in that run in 2011, that Montreal series, some big goals, the third line was huge, and he had that cage going. I don't know. There was something about it. Oh, I don't know. I it was kind of badass. It was kind of badass. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was like, you know, we're not going to take it from these guys, the Habs. You're like, we're giving it right back to them no matter what they bring at us. And I don't know. There was something about it that still sticks in my mind from that series. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we welcome in Chris coming up here on this latest episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. Cue the Memories brought to you by Bud Light. Score exclusive merch and more at BudLightLegends.com. 
And we're back on the latest episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. And joining us now, we welcome in Mr. Chris Kelly. Hello, Kels. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Kels. Bear, how are you? Nice to see you, pal. I, I, I forgot about the cage. Russo just, like, that's all I remembered about you from a whole Stanley Cup run. Like, you know, you lived out your childhood dream and... Yeah, Russo just <laughs> remembers you wearing a cage against Montreal, but it's that iconic image. Why were you wearing that thing? Would you, you like bit your tongue or something? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think Claude was trying to muzzle me a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I got uh, I, my face got rammed into the the post, and uh, I think it was uh, game three in Montreal. Yeah, and I actually broke a couple bones in my face. The worst part about that whole thing, like let alone the cage and everything, I had to fly back to Boston to get it checked out in between because you guys went to Lake Placid and I had to jump on this puddle jumper. That was terrifying. And uh, that was the worst whole, the worst part about uh, that whole experience. But you know, maybe I should have went to college. I ended up going to junior, but you know, maybe I should have went to college. Would have had more success because uh, I even debated about keeping it on uh, longer than I should have. But sense came to me and said i gotta rip this thing off yeah but that's seriously impressive and i love like the start i kind of give my like recollection like oh who's chris kelly like you actually kind of just did it yourself like oh you know a couple of broken bones in my face <laughs> it's just like no big deal the dude is like the dude is rock like he's just rock solid and he, he would like block a shot yeah like it's a little break in my leg or something like that like i mean like soupy like gregory campbell takes all the credit for like playing because he you know broke his leg or something and finished a shift i bet you kel's probably played like a whole series with a broken leg and just didn't tell anybody that's uh, that's the kind of guy he is that was the environment that was that's you know when i came to you guys that was that was the environment it was it was so refreshing to be part of something you know bigger than than myself you know uh, you know when i was in ottawa and you know, I loved Ottawa. Ottawa was, you know, the team that drafted me. Um, you know, I had success there. We went to the finals in, in 07. But when when I got dra- or traded, we hadn't won a, a game that month in January. That that was a, that was a long month. And I, I come to Boston and I'm like, wow, this is this is just refreshing. You know, these guys actually get it, and it's about winning. And uh, it, it was so much fun. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's weird getting traded for sure, and especially against you know to a team that just kicked your ass all year. <laughs> like we beat you guys a lot, like for like multiple years too. Like not to you know, it doesn't like to rip on Ottawa or anything like that. But but like if you're on the receiving end of that too, like when you get traded to a team, like were you walking in like with preconceived notions of like oh this guy must be like that or this guy must be like that? Like did, was there any surprises of like somebody that caught you off guard that you kind of had this image uh, made up of who they must be based on you know playing against them and the rivalry or if you want to call it that i was surprised of like how high end the skill was on the team like you know we always lost you guys had our number for for a lot of years but like the the skill level of the certain players like you know cratch and bergie and uh, luch and hordy um you know i you don't you don't truly appreciate how skilled these guys are when you just play them you know periodically and you know they make a quick play and you're like oh that was, oh, that was pretty nice but it's never great coming into a new team mid-season like you're trying to you know find your way just trying to blend in and not not ruin anything to be honest and my first game uh with with boston was in ottawa uh, i pushed my shopping cart over and here i am and i was like yeah that's so weird hey guys uh how's it going um you know thanks and i'm i'm playing 
my friends on the other side and they're trying to get like, they're cracking jokes. And finally I said, listen, stop it. I can't crack a joke. I didn't talk to one guy in that team. I'm like, I got a job to do. And like, <laughs> I'm not, you, people are going to see right through me. So, um, you know, that, that was probably a weird experience, but we ended up winning, so I was happy. Yeah, I think that the part gets kind of like glossed over. It's like, oh, you know, Peter picked up a great, couple of great acquisitions. They just like were perfect for the team. And then and like, that's it. Like then the conversation kind of moves on. But I don't think people understand like, yeah, we had a good atmosphere, but it's hard to be the new kid. Like that's like going to a new school and like trying to crack in with like the like tight group of friends sitting at the lunch table, like, that's that's a hard thing and like kudos to you guys like for just honestly you do it i guess through action right like how you play how you practice and you know you have the right type of personality but um that is challenging especially to a team that has bonded has had success in the past it had a really tight nucleus i think you know and, and you, if you're sitting at the lunch table you always think that you're friendly and this and that but like you know it takes a lot for the personality to come in mid-year like you said and not only contribute but just fit in and not you know, make it awkward. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I came into the, you know, in my, my mind w- was perfect because I got traded. And then that, that, you know, shortly after we, we acquired Peverly. And then shortly after that, like right at the deadline, we, we uh, acquired Caberlet and he was, he was like the player, you know, people were trying to, to trade for. And to me, I just was able to blend in. I'm like, this is awesome all the all all the attentions on Caberlet and here me and Peverly just get to slide in and you know go about our business and uh you know it, it was it was a perfect uh perfect storm uh for us what are you doing now what do you uh, so so you're a coordinator of of player development now in Boston this is the this is the where are they now section of the podcast oh, perfect um I'm a podcaster apparently and uh you're a coordinator of of player development so like what does that even mean like, cause I know like there's a few guys that are like, ah, player development. I'm like, ah, like, what do you do? Do you like go around and like tell kids like how to play? I'd be intimidated if you were my developer, uh, when I was coming through, I didn't have a developer. Like, is that what people have now when they're young? I guess we, we never had it fair, but you know, every team has, uh, you know, one or two or multiple depending on the organization. And I'm living in Boston now, um, you know, living back in the, back in the North end. So you know, whenever I go to the barbershop, I see your, your famous picture, which I get a, a, a nice. chuckle out of, out of all the time. Um, yeah, I still, I still call my boys in the North end. I know what you guys do. I know who still goes in there. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm fortunate to go to, to the Bruins games and, and watch as guys get called up from Providence and, and see how they're coming along. And then I'm down in Providence. They're playing in Marlboro this, this year, obviously because of the, the circumstances, but I'm at, you know, every home game of theirs, I watch every game of theirs, I actually watch one today. They play at one o'clock every game this year. So it's actually been quite nice. And um, normally I'm, you know, on the road, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the, the players we've drafted and interacting with them and really fair. Like I try to stay as, as positive as I can with them because it, it's difficult because I'm not in the fight with them day in and day out. So it, it'd be really hard for me to, to come in and, and, you know, strong arm, arm them and, you know, be overly critical of them because I'm not there day in and day out. And I want to build these kids up and, you know, Boston's done a great job of, of drafting, you know, good quality people and they're all, you know, great guys to deal with. So it's, it's been really enjoyable. Um, the staff down in Providence has been fantastic, you know, with me coming 
being around and, and helping me, you know, interact with, with all these guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really good. It's honestly, it is brilliant. Like, so like here you have like a guy who had an unbelievable career, you know, won a cup, like made a like job for himself for like a ton of years in the NHL. Right. And so, you know, it's easy, like being the old guy looking back and saying like, damn, like that's so valuable. Like if I had that growing up, you know, or like when you're trying to crack in and you're kind of making all these mistakes and learning on your own. And, you know, some guys figure it out and some guys just drop off the face of the earth. Right. But, you know, here you are as, as a young guy now and, and whether you're in junior and just drafted or in the, in the minor leagues, like you have this like wealth of knowledge, just like give feeding you tips and feeding you ideas of how to build out a career for yourself. So like, yeah, it's easy for me to see like how valuable it is. Like do the young guys get it? Do they pick up on that? Or is it like fairly receptive? I, I, you probably have to give a stock answer like, oh, yeah, yeah, they drafted all great guys, you know. But, no, no. But, but I imagine know, there's, like a, there's a give and take there. Like, absolutely. Some some pick it up better than others. Some, you know, the biggest messaging is like, you got you to meet me halfway in your development. Like, I I, I can't hold your hand. Like, you, you got to want to be a player to a certain degree. And, and, you know, I try to help these guys any way I can. But you got to help yourself a little bit too. And, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to give you an opportunity to, to, to have what, you know, we had. And, you know, I feel extremely fortunate to, to have that opportunity to play in the NHL. Like, you know, looking back, even my parents said, we never thought you'd play in the NHL. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, you and you and everyone else. So it's just like helping these, these, uh, these guys, you know, find not everyone's going to be the goal scorer, you know? So how, how do you affect and how do you, uh, make a living at uh, doing other things, you know, really, really well. Is it strange for you at all to, to be trying to develop guys to play with the Marshies and the Burgies and the crutches that you played with, with 10 years ago? What's that kind of dynamic like? You know what? It's actually, I think it's, it's, it's extremely beneficial that, that I play with these guys. Cause I know what their, their mindset is. I know their work ethic and uh, you know, their expectations. So it's like, well, if you want to play with these guys, well, these are the, the standards that you need to meet in order to have that opportunity because they're super competitive. They're the hardest working guys on the team. And there's a reason this organization has been at the top for so long. It's not just by luck or chance. It's that their best players are their hardest working players. So you have to come in and, you know, blend in and be part of that working culture you know i think being part of that and, and seeing these guys firsthand i think they they kind of realize that uh, i'm not just talking out the side of my mouth like i, I experienced it so i watched uh did you watch that nesson thing i i didn't do, you do, I, that? do, you, do you do you like i mean this is how it works just for people that are listening like <laughs> luch usually sends out like links you know so it's like a youtube He's link or whatever yeah, so Luch sent me the link to, you know, the Nesson thing because I can't get Nesson in Edmonton. So uh, I watched it and I just like, I eat it up. I love it. Like, <laughs> I totally love it. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, not everybody's like that, right? But like, I don't remember a lot of stuff. Like when I was playing, like I'm in the game and I'm just like, you know, like it's just, it's all noise, right? And then I usually have to actually watch the game to remember like what the hell happened or like what somebody else did. So I actually really enjoy it because I didn't realize like, the stuff you did, <laughs> like, no offense, but like, I wasn't paying attention to you during the game. Like, and so then you go back and watch, you're like, damn, like he had a good series. <laughs> like I didn't realize he scored so much. You're like, you know, the different things that you pick up on, but anyways, uh, kudos to you. You, you, you played well, man. Congrats. That was, that was a good run. <laughs> no, no. It was, you know what? I, I, I actually, I didn't see it. It's funny because 
I do get nests and, and it was advertised at nine o'clock Sunday night. And for whatever reason, like Monday rolls around, I was like, ah, I tried finding it. It's not on till next Saturday. So yeah, I'm going to watch it I'll Saturday. Get to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's got more important things. He's got a thousand games coming up, but uh, that's a side note. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about him. Take me back. You, you mentioned a little bit about this earlier when you first came into the team and the things that stood out to you about the Bruins. But did you know when you came in, like, this is a Stanley Cup contender uh, when the trade went down? And then when you got to the team, did you say, yes, yes, I'm getting it. I'm understanding why this, this team has potential. Um, obviously, I knew uh, the team was, you know, really good. To be honest, I, I never thought Boston would be a team that I would go to. Um, yeah, no one, not knowing, like, their situation. Like, you know, looking from the outside and you see they have, Bergeron, Krejci, Savard, Campbell. I'm like, well, I'm not, they're not looking for a centerman. Um, and then, you know, to find out that Mark Savard had the injury he had. And then, you know, I come in, um, I, you know, I met Blake Wheeler and Mark Stewart for about uh, a cup of coffee, a morning skate. And then they were traded and Peverly came in. Um, and then, like I said, Caverly came in and then, I think we were on the on the road for you know Western Canada when we started in Ottawa and then went out west and you know right away you kind of had a feeling like wow this is you know there's something different about the group you know like I said it was kind of somewhat of the perfect storm to come into a, a new team you know we happened to have a rookie party um, on that trip which is oh good timing oh uh, awesome timing which is you know one unless of the rookie <laughs> yeah unless, and and we're that being said, we're so nice to them. Uh, you know, there we treated them well. It was Marshy and Quater, you know. So you know, get to see the guys in a different light uh, outside the rink was was nice. Um, there was one instance I remember in in Calgary. Uh, we went into Calgary. And Calgary, Calgary is a uh, you know hard rink to play in, and we ended up you know it's a tight game. We ended up winning. And I remember looking, you know, you look at you get a, a sheet of all the the stats after the game, like how many minutes you played and. Every hockey player is right there looking at their stats. Um, and sure enough, um, you know, obviously it was, you know, Krejci, Bergeron, 1A, 1B, and then, you know, myself and Soupy. And I remember looking at the stat, and Soupy and I played more than Kretsch and, uh, and Bergie that game. And not a word was said, not, you know, not, no complaining, no nothing. And I just kind of came from, you know, a different environment where, you know, if the team's not having success, you know, the players hoping, you know, now I got to have success. And I remember thinking like, wow, that this is a pretty special group early on that it's just about winning. And, you know, that that's all it is. And we went on to win, you know, seven in a row when, you know, right after that trade deadline. And, um, you know, you quickly realized that, that there was a making of a good team. I've never been able to quite explain that to people because it's, it, it's almost like you're contradicting yourself because we had an incredibly competitive team, right? Like you practice hard against each other. Everybody wants to like be the best line that night, but you're genuinely pulling for the other guy, right? Like, and it's not like, yeah, I hope he does well. Like, and kind of saying out the side of your mouth, like you, I think like for the most part, unless I am like had my rose colored glasses on, like guys on the team, like they're genuinely happy for each other. Like if some, you know, uh, you know, the other guy was plus three and you were minus two. It's like, you weren't like pissed off or anything like that. And I think like you said, like s some teams have that, right. 
but it wasn't all just like buddy, buddy, you know, happy, feel good. Like we went hard against each other in practices and we challenged each other and like demanded a lot of each other. Absolutely. I think, you know, back to the Ferris point, like one of Claude's like staples for practice was like three on three down low. Um, and, and I think, you know, you're going up against, you know, Ferris, Seidenberg, Boychuk, McQuaid, Chara, you know, it's going to be a battle and they're competing in, you know, you're competing back. But as soon as the whistle was blown to end the, the, the drill, like there was no hard feelings because we were just trying to make each other better. Like if we could survive in practice, the games were generally much easier. And I think it just made us all better. And these, and you'd know too. I mean, from the other drill and practice that comes first to mind for me would be penalty kill. Like as a group of penalty killers, like we'd go out there and be like, you know, these guys, there's no chance they're scoring against us. And it'd be like a game. <laughs> like you'd be like fired up to like, there's no way we're letting Marshy score on us. <laughs> it's like a penalty killing group where like, you know, like and go, it was full out. It was, it was full out. And if you stop the PP, you'd chirp them. Like, let them know that, like, we got their number, whatever, right? But, like, in a good way, like, you're pushing them to um, to hold up their end of the bargain, right? So everything had to be earned. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we don't want to upset the stars. You know, like, it was like, no, we want to actually, like, kick them and make them, like, stronger. Well, I want to know why the third line worked so well. Obviously, it was revamped there at the deadline with you and Peverly coming in and then adding Michael Ryder uh, on the other wing there. What What clicked? Why did you guys gel so well? Obviously, love to look back and say, "Oh yeah, it just it instantly clicked." But I, I don't think it instantly clicked. You know, we we went out there, and you know, I don't think the production came quickly uh, like we had hoped. But I, I think there was, you know, playing with with Pebs and Rides, they're two elite players. I was super excited to to have be playing with those guys. And Rides got through the neutral zone better than than most, which was he was so underrated at that. Everyone talks about, you know rides his shot and which was incredible and but you know his ability to get through the neutral zone and and separate from people and you know playing with with rich um it was you know we both played center it was like you know a rotating center position you know i'd go to the wing when he was low he would go uh to the wing and we both take face offs on our strong side you know added that speed element it, you know they, they were both just a lot a lot of fun to, to, to play with and i know we had like depth at d-men but I think the, the big thing you see over and over and over in playoffs, right, is how important a, like a good third line is. Because the third line's out there against, you know, third pair uh, D, right? And so that's your chance to, like, really beat up on a team with your depth. And I think that's what, you know, was so unbelievable that year. It's just, I mean, I felt you feel sorry for some of the other teams, <laughs> you know, third, third pair D sometimes because they were, it sucks, you know, to go against, like, veteran guys that knew how to play, play hard, like, like you said, rides a shot. Like that's like an elite goal scoring shot. Right. And so to have to compete against that as a third pair D like you guys were absolutely critical. And it was like a, you know, it was, it was like a superpower of our team. The, the, the games up in Montreal, you guys saved our team. Like things are blowing up if, if we don't win that series. Um, I know you guys, uh, you know, had a great game. Was that like your highlight for 2011? I mean, other than winning the cup. I think that series was a, our line play played well, but it's, it's funny because I remember, you know, peeling it back, like the first two games we lose at home against Montreal. And I remember coming back home after that second loss thinking, Oh my goodness, like this might be over before it even starts. And I was brought in here to, to help. And I just felt sick to my stomach, um, you know, thinking about it. And then we go, we go up to Montreal and, you know, 
Rex had a speech. Uh, I don't know if it was right before the game or, you know, the day before or whatever it was, but, you know, he, he talked about how he'd been, been in the exact same position, you know, with, with Carolina in Montreal down, you know, two games going in there and said, you know what, we did it. We went in there, we won game three, we won game four. And, you know, to be honest, we went on to win the Stanley cup and just having someone that had been through it and actually, you know, had success, I thought was, was, was huge. Um, we ended up winning, you know, game three. Um, and then game four is the funny thing is the start of game four, Claude couldn't play our line, uh, at the end of the period, the end of the first period, because we were, weren't very good. I remember he skipped us over and I, and I wasn't mad at Claude. I was mad at like myself. I was mad at Pavs. I was mad at rides. Like I was like, I think I said something in the room. We should be embarrassed as a line that our coach can't even play us, like let alone like rely on us. And, you know, rides end up scoring in, in the, in the second period with, you know, going down his, uh, his strong side and, you know, between just over the blue line. And I think just a laser and I happen to, to tie it up uh, in, in the third and then, uh, and then ride scores an OT, but it's funny how like, you know, the highs and lows of, of the game, um, when you look back and think, wow, like, you know, it could have been really close to, to go in the other way. Claude wasn't mad at you guys. He was just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Almost worse. He wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then game seven, did you think that was the winner when you scored with about 10 minutes to play in the third period, that big goal from, from the top of the crease? I mean, you must, the garden erupts. You must think, hey, this is it. Oh, I just scored the winning goal. In game, in game seven? Yeah, I scored, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. And I remember Bergie got a penalty, an offensive zone penalty. I think that's like one of, like, you could count them. And it wasn't even a mistake. I don't even know if it was a call. But, like, say you're be like, oh, that might be the, like, you could count how many mistakes this guy's made on his uh, on one hand in his whole career. And I'll be like, oh, my goodness. And then Subban scores to add insult to injury. I was like, oh, come on. But yeah, then it's it set up perfectly because, you know, I think everyone's favorite player on the Bruins uh, scored the, the, the game winner. So, uh, so it was great. All right. So playoffs, boom, like we're winning. Things are great. I mean, you kind of get into a, a blur, right? I mean, for almost like a month and a half, you're just kind of like uh, going through it. But so I know there's a lot of highlights in there and whatnot, but we're here to talk about the cup. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about it with Quater too, you know, in our last podcast. And for me, I rewatch it and I just, I can like feel it and I just like live it. And I wish I could like replay it over and over in my mind. But like, for me, you know, I remember the last couple minutes of the game. That was my highlight of of just feeling like this euphoria. Um, like, what were for you? Like, what like what was going on? Who was in the rink? Who did you celebrate with? Like, did your parents come? Was your wife there? Like, what I truly remember is like the morning of the game, and they're always at five o'clock out west. Like trying to choke down chicken for like the hundred and twenty seventh uh, time at. <laughs> when I just had breakfast, but I'm like, okay, I got to eat my chicken and pasta. Like, that's why I go with the salmon. That's but, go but, salmon. you know, you know, players like they're so <laughs> like routine. I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta eat uh, my, my chicken and then go into the game. And I think just, I remember he cracked a joke. I thought that really helped like before game seven, like kind of 
fair cracks a joke kind of calms everything oh down. yeah that was kind of a rude joke i think too i don't think yeah. i can tell it <laughs> no but it was it was it was so, <laughs> i even know exactly i know exactly what you're talking about too yeah. it was so appropriate for for the moment like you, you know game seven everything's on the line to win the cup you're in vancouver where you hadn't had success you're just like oh my goodness um i i remember not thinking like we were gonna win until marshy scored that empty net goal and i was like oh I think we have a chance. Like we're up by four goals and like we're a pretty stingy, <laughs> stingy team. Um, <laughs> and like, Oh my goodness. Like I, like my one regret was I, I didn't have anyone at the game. Um, so my, my wife was, uh, was pregnant and like, she was on that like border of like could fly, couldn't fly. And then like air Canada went on strike or something. Um, so it would have been like, for my parents to get out there, whatever it was. And like the pessimist in me, I was thinking like, what if they come all the way out there and then we don't win, you know, like Man, my, my parents weren't there either. Don't feel bad. <laughs> my parents weren't there. And I was just like, ah, like, so I called everyone, you know, on the ice, actually I got caught. And then that was another thing. I get caught on the ice talking to like family and, and friends and everyone's celebrating in the room. I was like, what am I doing out here? So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, that, that was honestly probably my, the one regret I, I had in hockey, but, uh, you know, it was, it makes up for it cause we won the cup. So what'd you do with your day then? Because obviously you, you had to like make amends. Like, oh yes. Yes. So um, what was your day with the cup like? So I, I like the day with the cup is like, my wife said it's worse than a wedding because not everyone wants to come to your wedding. Like everyone wants to come to the cup party. Like there's something about like, I want to come to your, like, so I pretty much like passed that, passed the buck on and being like, yeah, can you, uh, can you take care of this? Um, so I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Like I, I was living in, you know, obviously Ottawa, uh, at the time. So I went, I went to, uh, the children's hospital in Ottawa in the morning, brought it back there and, you know, spent some time there, which was awesome. Um, and then, uh, I brought it to a, you know, a golf course close to my house and I had like a barbecue there. Um, had a bunch of things set up for, for kids. So it was more of a family, uh, thing that, you know, people could come take pictures. It was very casual. And then I took it back to my house with just close family and friends and actually, you know, was able to just relax for a little bit. And then at night, um, it was more of a, an adult only type of event. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I lost my voice and I was happy to see it go. It's, it's so stressful, um, to, to be, you know, constantly on and worried about it. Uh, you know, the guys that win multiple cups, I'm sure it's just like, oh, ho-hum, it's uh, no big deal. But uh, I tried to cram every last second into that day. Well, hopefully you get another one. Do do, do coordinators get a day with a cup? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't know. It would be nice <laughs> to see these guys win again. But you, you got to uh, position yourself for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ne negotiating Anything that power. you missed the first time around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had so much fun. I was lucky because... I got it. I think I was the last guy to get it. I felt bad for the guys that got it like right away because the cup, as soon as you, know, you win, you have a couple good days with it as a team. And then like the next week, it's like starting his journey, right? So I always felt bad for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Russo, what do we got? Rapid fire? Is that what we have to do? Rapid fire? I think so. I mean, I think that's our favorite part of the show, no? Kels, I have high expectations. Okay. I even described you as. Very witty. So witty. now oh, this wow. is this is your time to shine. All right, I'll start it off here. Our favorite question: the night at Foxwoods. 
who was drinking all of those Bud Lights? Bud Lights. Well, it wasn't sides. Definitely wasn't Seidenberg. I'll tell you that. Um, drinking the Bud Lights. Um, I would say probably Johnny Boychuck. Mm. What were you? What were? What were you drinking, Kels? Ah, I was crushing Bud Lights too, but uh, not as many as Boychuck. <laughs> you were drinking it from the Ace of Spades bottle. Yeah, I yeah. saw you. Yeah, as, pictures as, probably. I love that thing. It was bigger than me. <laughs> It's outrageous. People ask about that. It's you know like the famous like bill and stuff like that. Uh, for the record, we didn't pay for that. Like we're way too cheap to pay for that. Absolutely, um, it kind of made like it was kind of a, a blue collar team, and that did not help our image because that did not come across as very blue collar. Like yeah, no, like for like for the record, like I would go to like Whole Foods for dinner on the road. <laughs> like, go to the grocery store. <laughs> like yeah, we weren't buying Ace of Spades, but. I, I tried it. I didn't even know what Ace of Spades was. They just showed it. I was like, oh, look at this big thing. <laughs> Tasted like champagne to me. I don't know. Yeah. Superstitions. You were, you're you kind of a weird guy like that? or Superstitions on the run. I had to drink a bottle of uh, uh, Fiji water the night before every game. And so I'd go to the, like, a convenience store if I didn't have whatever. Every night I had to drink like a liter of Fiji water. That's the Ace of Spades of water. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Ace of Spades. I don't know. Maybe I found it in like one of the fancy hotels we uh, we stayed at. I drank and felt I played well. So here I was seeking huh. it out wherever it was. That wasn't fun in Philly when we played them trying to find a, a place to to find uh, Fiji water. I think I ended up in the wrong part of town trying to find a, a bottle of Fiji water. <laughs> That's actually kind of a messed up superstition, man. <laughs> yes yes go to spot in boston obviously you're back in boston now what, what's the spot for you where do you like to go where do you like to hang out um i don't get out nearly as much as obviously i'd like even you know without covid with with three kids it's seems like a lot of work to to, to go out uh for, for dinner but obviously uh the, the the normal ones monica's and you know uh, aria um you know, there, there's so many great restaurants in the North end. There's great restaurants in the South end. Like if you tried to, to hammer out every restaurant in, in Boston, um, I, I don't think you could do it in a year if you went out every day. What's your most satisfying victory? To be honest, probably that first, uh, that first game against Ottawa. Like you're playing your old team. You just got traded. They've been terrible. If you lose, like it's you, it's not the team. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you just went to a good team. They've been winning. And then you go there and the team that wasn't winning, like they win. Like, did you put any money on the board? Oh, of yeah, course I, I had money on the board. That like, that's just uh, the unwritten rule. If you put money on the board, what that means is like, you literally take like a sharp, like not a sharpie, but a wet erase uh, marker and you go up to like the game board and put like money on the board. So like Kells just got traded from Ottawa. He would have went up there and probably put up like a hundred dollars. And, uh, <laughs> and like after we, if we win, if we win, Kells has to put a hundred bucks into the team pot. Right. And so the next time you go out and have like a team party or team dinner or something like that, you know, Kells's hundred bucks would go alongside my 50 from when we played against uh, the Flames or whatever, right? So that's money on the board. But you only get it if you win. So so if you're ever watching, like, uh, you know, somebody that's been with a team for a long time and they're playing their old team for the first time, you guarantee they have money on the board. 
unless they're the cheapest person in the whole league. Yeah, and that doesn't <laughs> exist. Like you get, you get. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. work, and it definitely wouldn't work with that group we had. Like, there's no chance you would ever get away with that. Didn't matter who it was. All right. Well, that that feels like a good place to to wrap it up with some good behind the scenes memories from from 2011. Uh, Chris Kelly, thanks so much for joining us and and looking back on that that magical run 10 years ago. Hard to believe. So, thanks for thanks for recollecting. No, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I can't believe it's 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 been ten years. You know, time flies, I guess. And for all those prospects down in uh, in the minor leagues, listen to this guy. You want a long, nice, long career? Like he knows what he's talking about. So perk up. Absolutely, wise words from the Stanley Cup champ. Thanks, Kels. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cue the memories. Brought to you by Bud Light. Score exclusive merch and more at BudLightLegends.com. And we're back to wrap up another episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light Fair. Chris Kelly, that was great. It was it was nice to hear, you know, when someone comes in from another team, the, the impact that, you know, that first day has on them, like, to, to, to be able to tell, like, this team's different, that stands out to me, like, that that team had that kind of a feeling, like, we can do something special just from someone coming in you know, that quickly. I think that says a lot about, about that team. Well, and it, like, I, like I, I referred to, it's hard. Like, yeah, it's like, it's great that the environment's great, you know, good and there's good players and you have a good team and you know, this and that. But like, like I said, like, honestly, kudos to him and the other guys that kind of came in mid season, because I think, you know, you could try to be what you think a Boston Bruin is and like try to fit in, I guess, you know, but the best thing he could have done and what he did do, he was just himself. And that's who he is, right? Like, he, you know, I think he's, he's about as straight up as a guy as you'll ever meet. He's just honest, you know, tells the way it is. Uh, he's, he's a real straight shooter. But he, was, he just came in and was himself, and that's why he fits so perfectly. He wasn't trying to be, you know, what he thought we needed him to be or whatever he was. He was just Chris Kelly. And, and for us, I mean – like I said, I just watched the highlights. I saw, I saw the, I saw the recap of our run, and <laughs> God, like the dude was so important to us. And like, yeah, he would be like, oh yeah, you know, a couple broken bones in my face. Like, he was a warrior. Like when he was killing penalties, like he didn't care. He would put his body on the line. He would take a hit to make a play. He would block a thousand shots if he had to. Like he was just the kind of guy that. You see him on the ice and you had no worries that you didn't ever have to think like, is this guy going to do the right play or do the right thing for the team? Like he's just every single time. And, and, you know, we had a lot, a lot of guys like that, but he, he definitely stands out amongst even those guys. And everybody from that team had a moment along the way, like that people remember. And, uh, you know, he has that big goal in game seven against Montreal and, and that series in general. But that, that's another thing about that team is just, how every single person throughout the lineup had had a signature moment uh, throughout that run, and uh, that's why you guys won it all. So we'll have plenty more of those guys coming up as we go along on Cue the Memories. Another episode in the books, Fair. We'll see you next time. Thanks, brother. Boom.